you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Oh, Pittsburgh, PA in Studio 66. Never better than when the black and gold is here in the glow of the Mario Lemieux number 66 sweater. Hey, hi, and hello. What what do you got? What do you? Oh, look at that. I I wore, I, yeah. Black and gold through and through. I got my penguin socks on today. Excellent. You can take the man out of Pittsburgh, but you can't take the Pittsburgh socks off the man. <laughs> That's you? right. Yeah. Hi and hello and, we- and uh, welcome to the Dave Damashek football program. I hope all's well wherever you are seated to my immediate left here. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about the game of life, uh, that and much more with a guy who I've been anxious to meet for, I don't know, a couple of years now. Um, Pittsburgh based comedian or a base comedian, Pittsburgh native and now now a uh, an international superstar in the world. <laughs> international comedy. superstar. That's right. Yeah. Steve Byrne. How are you, man? Good to see you. Oh, we're Pleasure. handshaking. Yeah. That's classy on the right? podcast. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Before anything else, let me yeah. tell you, Always Amazing is Byrne's new documentary about the amazing Jonathan. It's released on All Things Comedy and on YouTube, and it's appearing in many festivals, and it is uh, blowing up. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Tell us all about it. Totally for free on YouTube. Just type in Always Amazing. It's um, a lot of people may or may not remember Jonathan. He was huge in the 90s, Mm -hmm. 2000s. One of the first comics to pop off of a new network, Comedy Central. Comedian, magician, wore a headband. And what I loved about him is all his magic was rooted in failure. And he was a better comedian than a magician, I believe. But sight gags, absolutely hilarious. And um, killing it, Vegas headliner. And eventually he was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which is a, it was a terminal diagnosis given to him by his doctors. You have a year to live. It's a degradation of your heart combined with diabetes and drug addiction. He's going to be a goner. So he's sitting there waiting. Sounds funny. Sounds great. Yeah. But um, he's, he's, he's prepared to die. 
outlives expectations by another two to three years, says, I'm going to make a comeback to the stage. And I thought, as a fan and as a friend, what a great impetus for a documentary. I love documentaries. I love stand-up. I just thought, that'd be great. I'd love to see that. And then I just called him. I said, can I do this? He said, yeah. So I went ahead and did it. And uh, here we are, you know, two years later now. Uh, well, I mean that uh, is uh, forgive the uh, stealing of the of the title of the book, but it's amazing. That's an amazing story well, that you. you had the idea to do that. Yeah, and uh, that it's gone so well. And you just sat down with a few days ago with our mutual pal Adam Carolla, yes, who also comedian-ish guy who now has veered into documentary making and you're also you you already shot a picture right now you have a feature coming out yes. early next year yeah i have a feature film coming out called the opening act it's about every every comedian's foray from that you can see your life in front of you with like a safe corporate job which happens to be in this film but whatever it is you you could see yourself doing the rest of your life but you know you have this this internal you got to pursue your bliss your passion and the whole film is about this kid that gets offered his first weekend emceeing at an A-list comedy club, which happens to be the Pennsylvania Improv, which is supposed to be the Pittsburgh Improv, but it's actually the Brea Improv. <laughs> so so the whole film takes place over four days. And Jimmy O. Yang from Crazy Rich Asian, Silicon Valley, plays a younger version of me. And the first half of the film is all the romanticism, blind optimism, and partying of hanging out with the feature act and being on the road for the first time. And then the back half of the film is all the isolation, solitude, and like sobriety that comes with warming up to this road-weary veteran that is played by Cedric the Entertainer. Hmm. So the whole film's encapsulated over four days. It, you really get a, 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 like a real perspective of what it's like to be on the road and all three echelons, MC feature, headliner. Um, so it's all right there. And we've, we've done a few screenings for like comedians and they're all like, this is a really, really authentic mm. perception of it. So I, I, I'm hoping I got it right. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I never know about, uh, whether, or, uh, you know, people who are in a particular profession, mm -hmm. bellyache about the lack of authenticity, yep. my old man and uh, mother, uh, doctor and a nurse retired, sit around and they'll, they'll watch like Grey's Anatomy and go crazy. Well, that would never happen. Yeah. A right. lot of, uh, yeah. I think a lot of the stuff happening over these 60 <laughs> minutes is probably not realistic, but yeah. yes. Now, you, you would never do that if it were in the E. All right. You know, I, my wife watches that and I sit there and I, I, I just walk through <laughs> and I comment. I'm like, this is the most unluckiest hospital. There's explosions. <laughs> someone's charged with murder. It's it, people are other nonstop it's it's the worst work environment ever yeah but she's hooked because it's, it's a soap opera well and, and yeah i mean you know it's it, it makes me feel as a prospective patient that like i wouldn't be getting top-notch care because they're distracted right. by you know by their uh behavior between the sheets whatever they're doing <laughs> you know well i as much as i you know throw my wife under the bus about watching that stuff she'll be like why are you watching a hockey game that happened 15 years ago mm. i'm like because it means something to you me. you still do that that makes me feel much better about me because i you know the youtube provides oh god oh i mean the, the world of old games that you can dig up on there oh I, yeah, I, yeah i spend an inordinate percentage of my free time doing that highlights all that stuff um i think the last one i watched was uh lemieux um game when he scored five goals in madison square garden the game is standing ovation one of my three favorite lemieux performances ever I, I i here's the thing weird I, to get choked up Inappropriate as a grown man to get choked up <laughs> watching something that happened 15, 20 years that, ago. That's that's not as significant probably to the man himself. 
But um, <laughs> but to me, it's everything. Like if I could do, like I did this doc on Jonathan, and if I like a dream world. I, I tried two years ago before this doc came out, before this feature came out, and hopefully I can go back to ESPN. Like it, those, it, just whatever. I just want to do a documentary on 1993, on Lemieux's journey in 1993. And I, I, I would call it 93, 99, 66, because he was, he was going after that scoring title. He was going to break the record, comes down with cancer, still wins the scoring race, the, t- the title. And had they, had they gotten past the Islanders, I think they could have three-peated. But this is the thing nobody talks about. That was the year the Pens and the Kings would have met in the finals Gretzky versus Lemieux, and we never got to wow. see it. it that's, just so because, that's just because you and I haven't crossed paths. I talk about that endlessly. I yeah. still talk about that. And in fact, that was 25 years ago, 26 years but in ago. But in a film, in a doc, in something, nobody's talked, you know what I mean? Like, it, nobody's publicly encapsulated that moment. And I think somebody needs to in a doc film. First of all, the best uh, Penguin season in the history of the Penguins was oh, yeah. saying something when they've won five Stanley Cups in, in other seasons. I also, uh, by the way, just wrote down as a side note, comes down with cancer. Is that is that the correct way? Do you come down with it? Full blown. Okay. I yeah. Think it, yeah. There's you, AIDS and then there's... You come down yeah, with you it. You come down with um, it. But yes, he... he <laughs> like it's Jordan's flu game. He, he was able... Yeah, yeah, right. He, he was able to transcend that and, uh, and, and go on and uh, almost glory, and I'm with you completely because not only had they survived the New York Islanders, one of the great upsets in in, in our lifetime in sports history, um, uh, you yes, we would have finally seen head-to-head 66 v 99, and yep. I suspect that the Penguins would have made quick work out of that Kings team. The compelling series in between would have been Lemieux's homecoming up to Montreal where he would have put on a show for the yeah. crowd. He struggled. He would get nervous early in his career mm-hmm. when he would go back up home, but then he overcame that and really started to put in some of his greatest performances in the old forum there. Yeah. I think he really shined on his way to the, the third straight Stanley Cup and we would talk about that team we would elevate that team into the stratosphere of the best teams in not just hockey but in sports over the last uh, half decade uh, half uh, century or so why is it though that he's not like there's so much made about like you know this this is why I don't watch ESPN anymore is because they just they have all that symbiotic relationships that they got to promote and stuff and it, it's nauseating to me and the flu game, like they they talk about that endlessly. It's like, how about this guy? He like he beat cancer and his last radiation treatment. He's waiting at the airport. Says, screw it, I'm gonna charter a plane to go to Philly, to Philly of all places, and put on a show. It, it just, I I don't know. It just, how has nobody really shine the spotlight on this guy? I think he's so underserved in the world's in the world of sports in general. I mean, to to come out of retirement. I remember I remember where I was when I got the phone call that he's coming back and then he plays it was it was was it the Maple Leafs? It was the Leafs. I was in I was in the igloo that night. I was in the igloo when David Volick scored the goal over Tommy Barrasso. I mean it's he three three and a half years, right? He was he was gone for three years, I think he was gone for. He yeah, at least that, yeah, because he retires in ninety yeah, I think it was ninety six and then in ninety nine, I think is uh, what the window was there. But yeah, I mean I always say, you know, I argue all the time sixty six is greater than ninety nine. People push back. You only say that because you're from Pittsburgh and they say, Then why does Gretzky have all the records? I don't know. Emmett Smith has all the running back records. Does that make right. him better than sweetness or other guys you want to throw out there? Of course, numbers aren't everything. They're yeah. the only gauge. The greatest injustice 
and uh, Josh Yoey of The Athletic back in Pittsburgh just mm-hmm. wrote a piece about this, that the greatest injustice in MVP voting history in any sport mm-hmm. is 1989. Gretzky, the darling of the media, moves to Los Angeles and makes hockey in L.A. more popular. And for some reason, because he does that, that means that he gets the MVP trophy over 66, who goes for 199 points. Yeah. Outrageous. Just shy of the 215 benchmark. That's right. Well, and by the way, he only played in 76 games, and and he only played on the power play in a couple of those. And if I remember correctly, he gets hurt early in one of those. So really, he only played 73 games. (laughs) Hey, uh, Spaghetti, behind the glass there, New York Rangers guy. Too much hockey so far? I, I love it. You do. I need. We need more hockey. Okay, and also you're a fan of comedians. I am big, big fan. And of you're comedians. a fan of Steve Burns. Don't fan. be shy, fellow. You forced him into that, by the way. I want to tell you. you forced that, him into that. What's you're that? A big fan of Steve Burns. Now he he has. Now, to it would be this. embarrassing. He if has he, to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If he did one of those. <laughs> okay. I, I. When did I say? Oh no! Yeah. All I, right. No, he's look. He's yes and and right spaghetti. I was just gonna say that uh, I've been to the comedy <laughs> store quite a bit, but yeah. I but unfortunately have never been there a night that you've been performing. So you missed I have to out. Change that. Yeah. You missed out big time. No, Let's I, go I, together, I, I Spaghetti. I, I Let you and go. me I go, together. I go quite a bit. Um, when the opening act uh, comes out, it sounds like uh, you're a little bit describing my story. I was doing. I was the in one of the corporate cubicles in Chicago, Illinois, and yep. moved out here on a whim and uh, got lucky with some stuff. Things broke right for me, but not nearly on the level that they are for you. You star. In- I don't have my own studio. Well, yeah, now I have to, yeah, I know. Now now we let uh, any Tom, Dick, and Hans Zeus in here. But, you know, we... Uh, I never got one of these where I worked. I never had a laminate. <laughs> Is that so good? doing well, yeah. Does that mean you've arrived when, they, when, when you, you the need laminate. a laminate? Yeah. yeah. That's a good, actually, that's a good one. Again, Adam Carolla, go back and listen to the Adam Carolla show on which uh, a burn here makes an appearance. And um, that's a, he does a recurring bit called Rich Man, Poor Man. Mm-hmm. The things, the intersection between the richest and poorest. Yeah. Having a laminate at work. I feel like, I think that would be, you know, there's no in between there. Yeah, you don't get a laminate when you (laughs) don't. jokes in a, in a strip mall right if, Rock, right you know? but if so, you're yeah. like if you got the third shift janitor thing like you got it attached to your belt like with the, on that string yeah thing you're laminate and if you're super rich you have to get into into the executive suites you have here's to, when you know you're super rich especially in la you're invited to a party mm-hmm. never been invited to i a haven't party. either um when you start going to buy art mm-hmm. like my friends that are super, they go by art. Like, I've never, I've been to a museum and see, I'm like, oh, okay, I guess that's art. Um, and when you have two or three cell phones. Hmm. I have one cell phone. Or or you have uh, you have uh, a lady or two on the side. Or a fella or two on the side. You got your side chick, yeah. They, they have that, uh, they, they sometimes do that. Does it count? Because I, when I was in college, I had that giant uh, Jimi Hendrix poster mm-hmm. where, where, like, the wires were all coming out of his hair in different colors. It was, it, it seemed kind of artistic. Poster is, is that different than... <laughs> not as good, not as good. Not as good, okay. no. All Spencer right. Gifts... Is a lot different than going to Sotheby's. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know. I don't. I don't know. I'm not rich either. So what do I what know was about? I, talking it? I was talking to my buddy, um, and he was telling me he went over to James Burroughs' um, house, and James, you know, sure, I, yeah, directed, TV everything. director, everything. He has a Monet in his bathroom. What? That's yeah. showing off. That's yeah. That's what that says to yeah. me. Yeah. This is how rich I am. 
it's in the place where you dispose of filth. And I, I have my Monet hanging in there, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, that, those are the differences. I don't, I don't know that I'll forget that. Can I tell you something right now? One of my early reactions to you, I've, I, you know, watching you before meeting you and now seeing you face to face, you're one of the more handsome comedians i've met is that true do you feel that way no i do not feel that way no i never i never kissed a girl till i graduated high school in hampton hampton high school that's where i went to high school my story too the look at that you and me so much in common you know lived in chicago for a while as well i lived yeah i did that for two years and then i got sullivan and son and after the first year when i got picked up i was like i gotta move back and here's another rich story right okay so warner brothers you're on the on the lot. You're filming, right? And you know it's Big Bang Theory. Two broke girls, two and a half men at the time. Ellen. Uh, you know, there's a ton of sitcoms being filmed there. And Sullivan and Son. You go outside these gorgeous sound stages, and you see Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Porsches, Range Rovers tinted out. Gord, you come to this set of Sullivan and Son. Our cast parking looked like a, a teacher's faculty parking. It was a Corolla, a Prius. Roy Wood Jr. used to ride his Huffy there, chain his Huffy up, and he would take the seat and front wheel in. I'm like, dude, we're on the this Warner This is embarrassing. Yeah. This reflects poorly on me as the star of the show. <laughs> but we used to- Can't uh, you rent a nice car? We used to throw the football because you're in this sound. Mm. It's just, you know, it's it seems exciting. It is exciting, but- but it's claustrophobic at the end of the day. You want to get out and see some sunshine. We used to launch a football outside our soundstage. And Owen Benjamin, who's six seven, almost killed Clint Eastwood. He could throw a football <laughs> 70 yards. I mean, these things were darts. He's uh-huh. a big guy. Oh, I know the I know those ball the, the ones you're talking about. Just yeah. chucking it. And I remember Clint Eastwood was around this corner and this football, I mean, be it. Clint Eastwood was talking this way. It went like that. Had he seen it? I mean, it was probably two feet away from killing him. The guy's 80. What a story that would have been, though. That would be kind of worth the the limited jail time he would have done for that. Oh, we would have been canceled in a heartbeat, for sure. (laughs) Owen Benjamin's in the clink, but worse, we got canceled. We got canceled. He shattered Ellen DeGeneres' golf cart window. Because the assistant was coming around the pen and he drilled this thing dead on, pow, shattered it. So we got, we were told you can't throw the football anymore. And then we used to turn the Sullivan and Son set into an actual bar. So when the audience left, we actually hooked up kegs to the taps. What a banner idea. Brought out the whiskey. The jukebox that was on the set actually worked. We plug it in and only played country music, like old school country. So it was, it was pretty fun. And we would just take the golf carts out at night and like, you know, try to, you know, like that Jurassic Park area where the Jeep is. We would go back there and like try to, try to, you know, like do 360s and turn the carts over and stuff. If there were cones set up for a shoot the next day on the lot, we would run over all the cones, just get hammered. And we every <laughs> Wednesday when we came in, there was a notice from security. You got to stop. You got to get out. You can't stay here any longer. But every week we just party because it was like, I don't know when this is going to end. So I'm going to have as much fun as of course. Yes. Yeah. Especially when you do that. There's nothing I bellyache. I, I think it's in my uh but I so I, in fact, Chris Wessling and I were talking a few days ago from mm-hmm. around the NFL, and I I said somehow in passing my list of grievances is long, and he said you've just stumbled onto the name of your autobiography. <laughs> I, but I, I among the many things I bellyache about most frequently are the people who 
are doing things like that, are, are, are in those positions and somehow can't enjoy them. If you can't yeah. have fun for that, if you can't wring a little bit of joy out of that process, then shame the devil and get out. Yeah, I think there's there's probably like an anxiety that comes. Sure, of course. Of like, oh my God, I got to do this, I got to do this. But the greatest advice I ever got was from Billy Gardell. Because he was next door. Another peach from the city of Pittsburgh. The as nice a guy as you, as you can come across. And what, what I noticed about Billy Gardell, this is what he would do. He was on the set of Mike and Molly, and we were literally a door down. So as they were wrapping up their season, we were starting our season. So there was a few times where he'd come over and <laughs> say, hey. And there was a moment in time where he was kind of hanging out on our set quite a bit during his downtime. Like, man, Billy's around a lot. This is kind of cool. It's, it's great to have him around and just check it in. What I learned was that their, their craft services and Mike and Molly was like just fruit and water. And ours was like an eighth grader's paradise. It was candy, it was donuts, <laughs> it was pizza. It was like a roller rink party. And so Gardell would come over and they were kind of trying to keep him, you know, in shape. And he was doing the best he could, but he'd come over and he'd just snack over at our place, and then he'd go back over and tape over there. So I thought, I was hey, like, oh, that's how you watched the yeah. game on Sunday. You seen Roethlisberger pull it out again against the Brownies? He is such a nice guy. Oh. Anytime I run into him, he's uh, he's always delightful to him. And, and our, our other connection, shout out to uh, to one of the nicest people in in the broad uh, entertainment industry, Randy Bauman, the king of if the greatest. There's not a comedian. I don't. I almost legitimately in America who's touring around who doesn't sing songs about the greatness of Bill Crawford and Randy Bauman there on that 102.5. Yeah. WDVE. Val it's Porter. Right. Oh, that whole that whole crew. Every time you go there, it's one of those few markets as a torn comic where. In the 80s, you would go to a market, and you'd go on the radio, the Wacky Morning Show or whatever, and you would sell out that weekend. And there's very few markets these days that the radio station still has resonance, and DVE is certainly one of them. I'd say top top three in the country in terms of, like, you go on DVE, and you'll do really well. I think it has – I think it for – I'm not sure exactly how to articulate the measurement on that, but I think it's the biggest – morning show in terms of percentage of population in that town of any yeah. morning show in the country. It was that a couple of years ago, at least. But even when you're there, you realize how important the Steelers are because they are talking black and gold, 365, 24-7, nonstop. It is nonstop in that city. I, uh, yeah, I, I call in every week in, uh, when football season's going, I love kibitz. I tell those guys every time, but uh, every year, this is the highlight of my professional life to be talking on DVE radio yeah, yeah. on the morning show with it, with you guys getting to talk about uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and black and gold related matters. It's a, it's a great thrill. I'll tell you that, um, well, I, I, you, you, a lot of things jump to mind. Craft services is, is some of the most surreal stuff that, that in, in my time out here yeah i remember the first time i kind of had an out-of-body experience i was working on the man show and oh. i remember looking over at the craft services table yeah and it was they remember they had the juggy girls who jumped on trampolines it was oh. a different time oh, <laughs> and it was listen it was satire and it was sad. It was, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's the excuse, right? How crazy is the, that show? It, is probably it kind of was. Ten I, years old? Oh, more than maybe fifteen? Yeah, no, more than that. It was. Uh, it, it debuted twenty years ago. I just talked maybe, with Corolla last week about really? that. We he went into uh, oh, a story about those early days of of starting it up. Yeah, ninety nine to. 
uh, 02, I guess. June 16th, 99. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm getting older, but... Yeah, well, and show. we and we referred to show. we referred to Lemieux in the Garden with the five goals as 10, 15 years ago. That was in fact ninety three. It was twenty six years ago. But I, I know it's really grim. But I remember <laughs> there were two juggy girls yeah. standing there. There were three little people, three mm-hmm. guys that were in a bit, and uh, Gary Busey, and they were all just standing there. <laughs> talking and everything and I, and I was that not your screensaver and i said and, and i remember saying to the, to the guys i was with i said this I, i've made it to hollywood <laughs> I, I, i'm over the moon this now it, yeah almost killing eastwood now see i have to tell you stories yeah, too yeah. because the eastwood story is grand for owen benjamin i hate to i hate to one-up it but yeah in honor of black and gold and the penguins and and so on once in the early days of the kimmel show i know the audience may have heard this story before bear yeah. with me I were I in the we I used to sit up in Kimmel's office before the show and uh, working on the monologue and I said you must ask him because early on one of the guests was Wayne Gretzky and I said bring up to him why this that that he's the darling of the media and mm-hmm. Lemieux never gets his due and I think it uh, my long standing conspiracy theory is it's because Gretzky is passive aggressive. Lemieux would endlessly gush. Oh, so flattering to be compared to Wayne Gretzky. Right, right. When Gretzky was asked, never would return the favors. Always about Gordie Howe or some other jive. So he, Kimmel asks him. One of our writers says that uh, that Lemieux. Who do you think is the best of all time? He asks him. Yeah. So ah, uh, you know, it's you know, Gordie Howe. Uh, Bobby Orr, yeah, oh, so many great ones, you know, so many great ones. And he says, "What?" Well, one of our writers says, "Mario Lemieux." Oh, Mario's great too. So that, then they continue the interview yeah. and end it. And Gretzky comes back into the green room afterwards with his uh, with his publicist in yeah. tow, and uh, and and they're just standing there for a minute waiting to leave. And I go up to to Wayno and I say, uh, <laughs> I say, "Hey, what what uh, what? Ha- why didn't you mention Lemieux when you were asked about that?" Yeah, I- I'm the writer. And that, that that mentioned that he said I mentioned him. We talked about him. I said no, but he had to bring him up to you. <laughs> why couldn't you mention? Why couldn't you mention sixty yeah, six when asked about him? And he said, "Well, we I, I did talk to him, and I think Mario's great, and and so on and so forth." And his publicist is standing there the whole time, and she's grabbing at his elbow, like, "Let's go, Wayne." Yeah. Mr. Gretzky has to go now, and he walks, and they get about twenty feet away from me. Yeah. And they're, they're through the through the double doors of the green room to head out, and uh, I say, for those who don't know, goons. Everybody knows what a goon is in hockey. Uh, his old goon was uh, was Dave Semenko. Mm-hmm. And I, as he goes, I go, hey, Wayno, Semenko's not here for you tonight. <laughs> you said that to Gretzky? He turned around. <laughs> he turned around like, what? Yeah. Who? What is this pot belly dope? What? What? He turns around and his publicist kind of is pulling him away. And the showrunner um, arm bars me and pulls yeah. me away and says, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you can't get into fights with the guests yeah. like that. And he goes off into the night. But I still say, yeah, think about think about what could happen if he and I go to fisticuffs. Yeah. So he beats me up. He, be- he beats me to a pulp. So what? I did it in honor of 66. What better cause? You know, that's but by the way, that's worst case. Yeah. What if I lick him? 
Yeah. Then statues are erected. <laughs> then when you land in the Pittsburgh airport, it's George Washington, Franco making the immaculate reception and Damashek with one foot t- uh, on top of uh, a defeated 99. They just put your, they mold your head on the T-Rex and then Gretzky is underneath that's the it. T-Rex foot. That's that's what it is. <laughs> or he's, it, he's between my jaws. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 99 st- stuck in between wow. my jaws for all of time. So that is Awesome, Thank by you. the way. That, well, I, I I was ready to go. If yeah. I if it was time for me to take my beating, if it was time for me to meet my maker, so be it. Bring it, ninety nine. What do you think the chances are you win? He's not a he's a delicate fella. Yeah, you know, still a pro athlete though. Yeah, doesn't fight. Not known. I think he got two fights maybe in his career. Was it that many? He fought Neil, Neil yeah. Broughton, is what I remember. Yeah, another uh, another cupcake. You know, so, not yeah. Yeah, although 66 wasn't exactly stout when it came to drop the gloves. He did. I was at the game, his first home game, mm-hmm. uh, after he scored against the Bruins on his first shift. Yep. Takes the puck off the stick of Norris Champagne, one of the great defensemen of all time. Takes the, the, <laughs> the, the puck off the stick of one Raymond Bork. Goes in alone on Pete Peters, I believe the reigning Vezina Trophy champ. Goes in on him, shows him the backhand, and uh, finds glory at the back of the net. I jumped around in my living room with my sister Amy. Yep. Mo Damashek, our mother, was summoning us. <laughs> Dinner! Dinner's ready! And we said, we're going to win the Stanley Cup! And, you know, like uh, six, seven years later, we did. Yeah. That's great. But here's the thing that I, I will always say about Gretzky and Lemieux, the difference. Gretzky's highlights are boring. Boring. That is They correct. look like anybody could do it, but he did it in a way where not everybody could do it. There was just like this calculated suaveness to him. Lemieux did things no one else did. He did things no one else will ever do. I mean, that scoring off the faceoff, I think that's one of the most – and, and he looked, he's looking up at the press box afterwards mm-hmm. after the bet. I, I think, like, these are things you, you are never going to see again. There is – the yes, they, they are um, – uh, obviously, two great scores, but um, they are kind of apples and oranges because Gretzky, to watch him, and this predates you, I assume, Spaghetti, right? You, you, do you remember even Gretzky as a Ranger? Very little. Really? You're that young? Oh, I remember like his retirement, like his ending with the team. I remember watching it. It was like a day game. Weird yeah, against the Penguins. Yeah. 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 Yag Jager was yeah. out there glad-handing with him Passing after the, the fact. Yeah. Um, he, Gretzky, the thing that would stand out about him was that he didn't stand out. It, right. you, you would watch for 60 minutes, and at the end of the game, what was striking was like, wow, how did he have five points? He had two goals? He, really? How? Yeah. Because every opportunity he got he cashed in on to his credit and he was really effective um you know coming uh, just getting inside the blue line and making nice plays he did happen to from day one happen to have Yari Curry and Mark Messier and Glenn Anderson and Paul Coffey and so on some of the all-time great players surrounding him from a very early age and his scoring uh, totals are very uh, I mean largely owed to I mean he was the best player in the league at the at that point but everybody who had a heartbeat was putting up 120 points a year. Dale Howard yeah. Chuck put up huge numbers. The era of like 81 just so happens to be 81 to about 85. The scoring is off the charts. It's sort of like the uh, the baseball when everybody was hitting home runs for those for that half decade yeah. or so. Um, but yes, he was he was he was great, but he was not a sniper, so he doesn't have a lot of highlight real goals. He was just effective in cashing in on the percentage of opportunities that he had. Conversely, sixty six was the only player on the Penguins for his first handful of years. Yeah, 
he was shifting with Doug Shedden and uh, Warren Young and guys like that. He would, and you never weren't aware of his presence on the ice. And he would lug yeah. the puck from his own blue line all the way down to the other team's goal line consistently. And with guys banging on him the whole way. Literally hanging on his back. I mean, Gretzky's highlights are milestones. That's what you watch. That's oh, right. It's his, it's his thousandth point. It's his, whatever. You're th- anyway, so it's right. Just, it's just, it's highlights. I... <laughs> I wore the hell out of those VHS tapes. They give away games, Mario, the motion picture, all that stuff. And the, the, the best the best memory I have of one of those VHS tapes, when I, I was obsessed with Rob Brown, I thought he was cool. He was dating Alyssa Milano at he the was, time. I don't know why we thought he was cool with that long. He had the hair at the back, right? <laughs> the flax and hair mullet. Mill and yeah. go like this and do that. And I used to do that after my goals. And in one of those VHS tapes, I think it was the 89 recap VHS tape they show they're like they spent a day with downtown Robbie Brown and he's in like his Trans Am and <laughs> and the camera guy's in the back seat and he's filming Rob like an artistic shot through the rearview mirror and Rob Brown is singing Every Rose Has Its Thorn to himself on the way to practice and it's so <laughs> funny and i used to think when i back in the day i thought it was the coolest thing i'm like man he likes poison too this guy's awesome i'm glad he found pittsburgh and pittsburgh found him <laughs> yeah brett michaels yeah right Pittsburgh. there you go. oh yeah he yeah. loves his black and gold as yeah. well <laughs> oh yeah 89 yeah that was when the flyers rallied to beat them but that was one of the great lemieux performances too game six when he gets the ht and uh in the first period oh yeah humiliates Ron Hextall. Just, Hextall just comes out and just shames <laughs> Ronnie Hextall again. You know? Yeah. Boy, he tortured those uh, Patrick division goalies. Oh, yeah. Uh, he Eddie owned. Brook. He owned. Yeah, he owned Pete Peters and uh, and Bob Froze and yeah, Ronnie Hextall and so on and so forth. Um, so what advice do you have for anybody? Because you, you talk about the process, because like I say, in my 20s, I'm sitting in a cubicle and miserable and i was i i happen to be dating a woman actually it's funny <laughs> wait what i happen to be dating a woman well that was rare it you know kind of happens well right? once i mean i know but like yeah. once a decade or so is about my rate like i dupe one woman to to spend time with me yeah, like, yeah. and then it's like well you know don't Thank push you your God. luck right um and so You're it was a good looking guy what do you talk i mean were you were you like obese when you were younger or something i mean everything symmetrically is you think there so? yeah I mean, I well, I, th- I think I'm semitically okay. Like, I'm semitically palatable, but, you know. Like, you're a Pittsburgh 9, like an L.A. You think so? I was trying. Like, spaghetti, a, what do you think I am? I, I actually agree. I think that you have a lot going for you, but you like to you do the opposite, like the self-deprecation. If I could lose 30, I'd be all right. What are you talking about 30? Where would, it, 30 where would you, you lose know. it from? You, how old are you? It's 59 years of age, 59 years <laughs> young, <out>. 59 <laughs> years young. When you start going with the young instead of old in yeah. that phrase, that means you're officially old. I'm 44, uh-huh. but I think we both we both have a good metabolism comparatively to a lot of guys. When you go back home to Pittsburgh, you run in your friends. You're like, oh, I'm a oh, rough. It, it, it well, the hairlines. I mean, oh, yeah. my, I, you know, yeah. I, I have I have a flesh yarmulke back here. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know. Um, at the back of my head, but relatively speaking, you know, I've still yeah. am mostly dark haired. I have most of my head of hair. Yeah. And because of the wonders of science now with that topic stuff that you can shake on your head, none the wiser. The there public doesn't even know. You know, it's like okay. it's a 21st century toupee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by the way, Bill Burr was in here where you sit uh, a couple of months ago and mm-hmm. he he regaled us with a story as we're talking hockey. Um, 
about uh, Bill Crawford taking him to a game once, and yeah. and Bill Burr was apparently very upset to see in on the Wall of Fame or whatever they call it there, uh, Alf Samuelson is included on that. Well, he's from Boston. Of course he's going to hate Alfie. Yeah. It's the most overstated thing. I mean, Alf Samuelson at full speed collides with Cam Neely. Yeah. It, they're far filthier hits that I've seen in my lifetime than that sure. one. And can't, but, but Bill Burr, but Crawford advised me. I said, hey, I was talking to Bauman and Crawford, uh, talking Steelers on the radio. And they said at the end, I said, I'm going to talk to your pal Bill Burr. And they said, just, it's not a joke to him. Oh yeah, it's to not. get into him about st- about uh, Bruins related stuff. I wouldn't tease the Bruins or anything. Yeah. while you're doing it, and I said, well, now that you've told me that, now I'm required <laughs> to bring it up. And, and I within, almost fought Gretzky. This yeah. is not gonna. Yeah, spaghetti, right? I mean, it was before. It was literally as we were sitting down. Yeah, I was, was like, I've been told I'm not allowed to talk to you about Alf Samuelson and Cam Neely, and it, and it legitimately it got us off. off on a bad foot. Yeah, a lot it of really. Well. Here's my favorite Bill. I hate, I, I can't do a Boston accent. He's like, I hate you Pittsburgh guys. Well, who do you think you, you are? stole to- our colors. Yeah. We had the black and gold. <laughs> I know, Bill. We, he is the same off stage as he is on stage. So we're both New York comics at the time, both kind of, if I was like a freshman, he'd be a sophomore or junior, right? On the scene. And we both love going to hockey games. We both love going to, we'd go to the Yankee games, right? It's like, yeah, even though I'm from Pittsburgh, we got to go to Yankee Stadium. So, so we'd go on our off time, and so we're in this section. We got good seats, and this foul ball comes up, and this guy catches it, and this little kid goes to it too. But the guy catches it right. So the guy turns around, right? Everybody's booing him. Boo, boo! Give it to the kid. Give it to the kid. He's not giving it to the kid. Kid sits down, and he stands up. He's doing one of these things, and and then Burr and I are like, "Give it to the kid! Give it to the kid!" The whole section is given to the kid for like two or three minutes straight. The guy stands up. He makes a presentation about it. He holds up the ball. He goes, "Are you happy now?" And he hands it to the kid. Everybody cheers. Everybody's clapping. Right? It's a nice moment. Burr stands up. He's like, "You caved, you." You should have kept the ball. <laughs> hey, smoke this. Everybody else is smoking it. It was so <laughs> funny. I mean, he had the whole section. He's he's performing for the section now, and he went on for another two minutes just drilling this guy. It was great. It was absolutely. If you have an opportunity to go to a a sports, a live sporting event with Bill Burr, go. I'd love to do that because he really he does seem, because uh, we have mutual friends, and from what I gather, he is, like we talked about, he is somebody who is enjoying the opportunities that his life has, uh, that his profession has, oh, yeah. has given him. He, uh, From what I can tell, he just travels around every free couple of days that he has. He's at Baton Rouge for a night LSU football game one yep. time. He's at the Rose Bowl. He goes and sees golf and stuff, right? And like yeah. auto racing and all that kind of stuff. Two of my best sporting um, memories were when I was in Chicago, I, I was doing a thing with the the Dilemma. Vince Vaughn and Kevin James were filming there. And Burr and I were out there doing a show with Vince. That's what it was. And they we rented out the United Center, basically. So we did the scenes, and then they're like, do you want the ice? And I was like, yeah. Wow. And so the equipment manager hooked us up with all old Blackhawk equipment and stuff. So I'm like wearing patches, skates and stuff. Uh. And, it was great. We got to play United Center. We had the whole rink to ourselves. And then the other one was we did Lemuse Fantasy Camp together. We did a show. We did stand-up during the dinner. And then we got to play with them for the weekend. And that was just single. Like, to receive a pass from Mario Lemieux, and then I have uh, – there's a moment where you're just sitting there like, this is, like, all your childhood. I remember I cried when – after the first game, and my wife was like, 
why you didn't cry on her wedding? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you don't know what this means to me. This is like my childhood is bubbling and emanating. I've only known you for like five years. <laughs> this is this is like a quarter century, lady. Yeah. <laughs> did you? I score, thought we knew each other. Did you score five goals five different ways on New Year's <laughs> Eve against the Devils? Get the f- out of here. So, um, so uh, I, I, that was like literally one of the greatest memories I ever had. And just ah, uh, what a he's thing. just so regal and classy and. It's like those things that, you know, he does the fantasy camp, right? And then you finish and you go to the hotel bar and all the guys are from all over the world here to play with, you know, Trottier and mm. Recky and everything. Recky drilled me into the, I mean, straight up drilled me into the boards and I fell down and he is just laughing and he's just skating off. And I was like, man, that was so cool. I got drilled by Mark Recky. But we go to the... uh to the bar afterwards. And you know who's always there, which is weird, and I've talked to this guy about yep. it directly? The guy who is the connective tissue with some of the biggest sports celebrities and movie celebrities, yeah. Ty Domi, the goon from the Rangers. Why? I, yeah. I'm like, why? I, I talked to him once uh, for about uh, a half an hour and said, why? I No, no offense, but why you? Why, why, is, uh, why is Mark Wahlberg have you everywhere he goes? And why does Mario Lemieux yeah. have you in, his, in, in the owner's box constantly? And he he's just you know a pleasant just kind of, of guys. unassuming delightful kind of a guy yeah even at that uh at that fantasy camp he we got talking and stuff after the show and he was teaching me how to fight and he goes <laughs> so you grab it like this and you cock your fist and he's looking at me and he's getting it uh-huh. I'm like dude we he's don't scary have looking. to do this we're good we don't have to do this but I remember in that hotel everybody would go there and Mario. I don't know if I should be saying this or whatever, but it's just such a nice thing. He, you know, everybody's drinking, running up a tab. There's a ton of Canadian players there. I mean, the bar bill must have been. And old hockey players boozing, yeah. Lemieux gets up and walks out. And then um, people are like, you know, around Lemieux leaves probably 1130. And then it's like one o'clock in the morning and people are like, all right, I got to set up my tab. Uh, He already took care of it. Ah, like he's just, he's he's the best. He doesn't have to do that. He didn't even have to be at the, I mean, if you go to somebody else's fantasy camp, I'm sure they're probably going home right after the on-ice stuff or whatever. But this guy, he hung out the whole time, took pictures and everything. It was just such a – just a class act. He um, – the one thing, if I could get time with him, because he does seem so adverse to self-praise and all that kind yeah. of stuff, I would just like to sit with him and say, I have my list of my 20 favorite goals of mm-hmm. yours, and I, now let's just go through what you think are your uh, – because every professional athlete has that crazy recall. They can tell you uh, super small details about uh, – they remember their whole careers. It's a, a strange thing, or at right. least that's true of football guys, and I suspect that's true with 66. He seems like the sort who would remember what happened in game four in 92 and why Dominic Kashik was able to stop him on the breakaway before they got – you know, I, I would right. love to go through that beat for beat with him. That would be the documentary I would want. There's a larger, greater story to be told. Yeah. I would just be, you know, for out of self-interest, would love to hear what he thinks about those because those – those are, for better or for worse, those those memories are right up there for me with... Uh, Burn of the hard drive. It's yeah. like, I have four kids, so it goes like... I mean, it would be rude to say the birth of my first is one. But then the the one that uh, he scored when he took the puck off of Shell Samuelson's stick and then uh, skated down and he turned Doug Crossman around and then he flipped it over Hextall's. That's number two for me. Yeah. Then the birth of my second child. <laughs> and that, but... I'm not going to do the whole list, but I mean, yeah. something like that. I would. My, it's so funny because I think like about my father, my father, 
still alive. I'm not talking about him past tense, but he a great guy. He got me into hockey. He got me on skates at, at five or six and started playing. He I think I've seen him cry once in my life. My daughter and son have seen me cry so much. Like when Crosby, remember <laughs> that week when Crosby batted the goal in, right? Yeah. And then the next, I think it was like three or four days later, he does it again. It was right around spring training and there were all these baseball jokes, whatever. He hit it in. I just kind of like, for some reason, I got teary eyed in that moment. My daughter's like, are you okay? I'm just like, I was just like, I'll never see that again. Like he just did it. And the odds of that happening are so few and random. And I know he played baseball back in the day, but to see him do it again, it was I think it was against the Devils the second time he did it. I, I was just, I don't know, I, I kind of got emotional. Just like, I'm, I'm never going to see this again. Enjoy every second you have with Crosby. Enjoy every game and opportunity you have to watch 87. Because at some point, it's going to be past tense and... It's almost like all those years I grew up in my basement watching Lemieux and Ron Francis and Yager, and there's a minute left in the game, and they're down by goal, and you know this is must-see TV because they're going to tie it up. Somehow they're going to do it, and they'd always do it. And I look back with such fondness of my childhood back in those days, and I think the same thing right now with this with this run of Malkin and 87. And it's funny you say everybody. that. First of all, uh, this has been a very Pittsburgh. I'm so time. sorry. I know. This, I like. like <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Spaghetti, right? This is a, uh, this is fine by you, this right? Yeah. He's always my gauge. He's yeah. he's, he's the, the this, this, yeah. then He would say yeah. like that. You're this is this is not good. But so this, so, is a, this is a show where I forget I'm the producers. I'm just like listening to just two guys telling stories. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I have a job to do. Um, yeah. The oh, I mean, I you know when he on his retirement, his last game in the igloo, which we thought was the last time we would see him before he then returned. But when he, when, when he couldn't get it past, uh, I don't remember who was in goal for the flyers, but he couldn't get past him. He, he was getting some shots. And with about two minutes to go, the entire crowd sensing the moment, the pens were likely to lose the series. We weren't going to see 66 again. And they started uh, the Mario chant. I started to get misty and I, I knew what was going to, ha- I knew going in that this was going to be a tough one for me. Yeah. Um, and I, I literally drew the shades and I, I <laughs> true, true. I said, like, people are like, you want to come over and watch the game? And I'm like, no, 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 this, is, this isn't, this isn't about fun. What do you like a, like a bad detective? You draw the shades, you pour the shot. I was like, sitting Shiva looking at you. Yeah. I was sitting <laughs> Shiva in advance of the retirement. That's so great. And the chanting and everything. And then he gets it and he pokes it around the, off the dashers and, and comes in alone and he comes and he walks in and he scores the goal and and I wept. I yeah. I, I wept and I I, I thank the heavens that that was who I got to cheer for yeah. uh, my in my formative years. And to your point, 87 then comes along and Malkin and so on. And when Anthony Davis was traded to the Lakers, mm-hmm. I, I keep a running tab on this sort of a thing. Lakers centers, mm-hmm. you know, you have Kareem and Shaq and uh, and Wilt and, and uh, Anthony Davis now. I still say maybe the Penguin center iceman is the single greatest position for one franchise in any sport you can think of. You got, I mean, wow. Because you can go with like Dodgers starting pitchers is a good one, and like Bears middle linebacker, Yankee center field, you think? Yankers, yeah. Yankee center fielders, but that one doesn't like run as of- deep as you think. But yes, yeah. But, but yes, I think that that might be the number one. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah. 
I like lists. So who's your list of handsome comedians? Who's more handsome than Steve Byrne? Because handsome comedian. Well, Corolla likes to claim that one. And he and and by the way, he's not kidding around about that. Yeah. I think if you combine, like, what's his name? Like, I'm not going to name any names, but well, he's I I I recall him mentioning Dane Cook at one point. He's like, hey, he might be handsome, but like in the in if you're balancing funny and looks, yeah, I think I'm I got to be at the top. I think I got to be number one in Corolla's, that. Corolla's, oh. This okay. was a while ago. Okay. This, this isn't modern day Corolla. This okay. isn't 50-something Corolla. This was oh. more 40-something Corolla. But I don't know with that assessment. I mean, Bill Burr might have him beat, although when he had. I'll tell you who the most handsome comic you, is right I, now. I'm going to put you down. I'm going to put Jost. you down on my list. Colin Yost. Colin Jost. He does stand-up. He's on Weekend Update. I know. Engaged uh, to Scarlett Johansson. They're engaged now. Oh, yeah. Yeesh. He... He's not only just handsome, but he's just a great guy. He's a hard worker. He's absolutely hilarious. And I, I, I don't know. I, he, he used to open for me on the road. And we did a show together. <laughs> this, is, this is so funny how, like, people are smitten with this guy. We go do this show in Nashville, Tennessee. And we're doing morning radio because we're doing a, a two-man show. And this is literally two years ago, maybe three. And uh, 15 years ago. So he, <laughs> we sit down. And this guy is Absolutely, like I can't believe Colin Joseph is in my studio. So he's, he's like, Colin. So you went to Harvard. You work for the. You wrote for the Lampoon. Please tell me about this. And Colin's like, Yeah, it's historic. And he's telling him. He's like, And then you were a writer at SNL, uh, right out of uh, car- college at Harvard. Please tell me what that's like. And Colin tells him about it. And he goes, And then you became head writer at SNL at the same time you're on Weekend Update. Please tell me about this. Colin's got some great stories telling him all this stuff. And he goes, And Steve, you're Mexican, right? I was like. <laughs> <laughs> what the f- that's what you got for me i'm mexican and we could not stop laughing but people have this um colin has an aura about himself i don't know he, interesting uh, spaghetti says that that was his uh his dad yeah, is- his pops is my teacher in high school his dad went to oh, brown really? yeah he taught us like cisco networking in staten island guess where colin's from really smart yeah he's really young too but ultra smart family he's an incredibly smart guy Really good. Just a, like his brother, Casey, he writes for uh, Impractical Jokers. Great guy. Hmm. Good looking guy. His mom was uh, w- um, helped uh, helped with the, the firefighters after 9-11. Hmm. She was there to help them out. I, I, I forget. I think she's a nurse or something like that. But By the way, doctor. that makes me think of John Stewart. He would be high on that list. He's considered Stewart, handsome, Stewart's right? a handsome guy. Noah, Noah on The Daily Show. Trevor Noah. Uh-huh. He's handsome. Yeah, he is. Right, um, right. Yeah, I think there's uh, some handsome guys. Yeah, I, I would okay. never put myself. Look, I don't. Consider I guess myself... what you don't have to because you want to be modest. You're there. Get it, put, no, I... etch it into the concrete. I what I hear like when when <laughs> okay, so not to bring this back, but when the amazing Jonathan Doc when we put it on YouTube, it's like, do we enable the comments section on this? Because that's you know it's a dumpster fire, right? So. I was like, look, let's live and die by the sword. Let's see what happens. So we put it up there, and it's overwhelmingly positive, mm. which is nice. But the negative comments I see are when it's like, Steve looks like an Asian Elon Musk. Steve looks like <laughs> if Seth MacFarlane and Kevin Spacey had a baby. Like, that's what I'm getting. So it's like, I don't think I'm that handsome, no. I don't know if there were that many lies. In what you said. No. <laughs> so what would you say? Because that is something that people are, um, I, you know, I always talk about, that people um, fancy the idea of moving to Los Angeles. Sure. And, and you've had this experience, I'm sure. And, I, you know, I, I 
wear it. I'll admit it, and it's not me being falsely modest. Mm-hmm. Dumb luck. Well, Dave, what advice do you have? How do you get to do this? Dumb luck. I don't. I, I can't advise you on this the sequence of events that got me to here. But most people are hustlers. I. I have tried to work hard over the years as well, but it seems like there's so many people who move out here because it seems like it would be fun to do. But as you mentioned about your feature coming up, right? Is that it it is still people. When people ask about the mansion, was that crazy? Were you guys just drunk the whole time and doing what I like? No, we no, we would go to work. It's still a job. It's a still, it's a fun job, but it's, it's nevertheless a job. Yeah. What would you advise anybody who is sitting at that cubicle right now who says, I'd like to try this to get into the business? What what, what counsel would you give them? Stay away? We're already full? Or is there any? <laughs> well, I think that there is some credence to that because every time there's traffic, I'm like, there's at least 1,200 people that are not getting a call back. Go back to Minnesota, you know? <laughs> but I think, honestly, if you're really thinking, man, I should try, you know, there's no try. It's like, I got to do this. If you have that burning desire, like I got to do this, then, then go ahead and you got to do it because that desire, I always think it's, it's not just working hard. It's like working hard and smart, but also having some semblance of talent. But I think that I, I, I'm definitely not as talented as some other comedians. I know that I'm definitely not as talented as some others writers. I know that, but I've always known I, I will just work my ass off towards everything. So everything I've ever had from Sullivan and Son to the documentary that I released on YouTube for free. I mean, I just, you know, even this feature, like I've never had a development deal. I've never had anything, but I'll tell you this, the whiskey at the bar tastes a lot sweeter when you got a lot of dirt underneath your fingernails. And that's the one thing I have. I'm not a chin stroker from Harvard. I'm not one of these Ivy League writers that's going to get hired in the writer's room. I'm just somebody that went to Kent State, and I'll work my ass off. And that's the only thing. I think, to be honest with you, it's Pittsburgh's a big part of it because Pittsburgh's such a hard-working, blue-collar kind of town. And I, as much as I like to think it's in my DNA, I still think that just my upbringing in Pittsburgh, the guys I grew up around, um, you, even friends when you go back home now, like nobody lets you get too high on your horse. They'll always bring you down, right back down to earth. So I, I by the way, as a vain person, I'm a little offended when my friends like, you guys want to hear about like what I'm doing at the NFL? <laughs> Cool. What I did. I was just at the Super Bowl, I, but I was on the sideline. But don't you think? I mean, I think you sell yourself short, though, too, because obviously you're very talented. You have a great um, way of describing, but oh. but voice in terms of how to be a conduit of information in a very entertaining way, in a fun way. But I, I think that don't you feel that you that that the work not only with the talent has has gotten you where you are. Uh, well, my, uh, yes, being talented, uh, to quote, uh, Dalton in Roadhouse opinions vary, but, um, yes, that, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly we're, right. We're not going to beat our chest. Work, G- but I think if you have some semblance, you're right. It's, it, it, it's on one hand, it's vexing from the perspective. If you go to bars, I remember early on when I was out here, my pal, David Feeney and I would be in there and we'd wring our hands. When's it our turn? When's it our moment to, to, to get to have some fun, th- these 24 year old guys talking to the beautiful women and convincing them and themselves because they don't see any flaw in their plan. Like I'm going to reshape show business with this movie idea. I have, I have a, I have, I have a different thing and they sell this nonsense, but they do no work to make it happen. Of course. Yeah. That's what, what very often it's the land of dreamers, Los Angeles. It's the land of rudderless losers who think like, 
maybe I'll make it because that at least seems like a fun job. And I'm not calling everybody losers who takes their shot. I'm talking about sure. people who come out and do nothing to make it happen, who don't do the work to write all the time. And J- Jimmy Kimmel will, uh, to name drop, will gave that advice to me 20 years ago. Yeah. Out, if you outwork everybody, no one can ever point at you, whatever level you're at. If you're running the thing, nobody can ever say, oh, boss man. Up in it. I, See, I haven't sure. gotten to be a boss man yet, but <laughs> if I ever do, I will maintain that work ethic, you know? I, I, I've that's always right. heard that about, like, like Kimmel of how uh, he's, I mean, yeah, very driven and determined he is and how smart he is as well. I've heard that from numerous people. Eh, no, so he is smart. When I think of Kimmel, though, the worst TV set I've ever had was on Kimmel's show. Really? You Dave Rath? Sure. Obviously, he's a, he's a very prominent, relevant uh, talent. I don't like his uh, his football allegiances, but I, I believe <laughs> Well, he was he was the talent booker. Right. And I just got like the Variety's top 10 comics. This is a long time ago. Um and I'd done it, and he'd seen me, and he booked me. And the thing is, I'd just done the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. And like three months later, I was doing Jimmy Kimmel Live, when it was Jimmy Kimmel Live. And I didn't have another great five minutes. So I was like, God, oh, what am I going to do? And I, I, I'm just trying to slap this together. It, I mean, I was not, I should not have done it, to be honest with you. And I remember Rath, because this is before, remember when, if this is the stage, they put the comedians in the corner. I remember exactly. So you got to sure. you got to perform out here. And then you got the whole rest of the audience like, well, how am I going to? And so they're like, just perform for, for the cameras. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was just stressed out. I didn't know what to do. And Dave Rath, literally, they go, one minute till air. Dave Rath goes, by the way, if you're bombing. Just keep doing your set. Don't acknowledge it. Don't don't talk about you bombing. <laughs> you know, it's like have a lot of people bomb. He's like, just don't talk. Just do your set. I'm like, but have a lot of people. <laughs> it's like, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. And it was in my head. I just kept hearing Dave Rath. If you're bombing, just keep doing your set. If you're bombing, Great just keep doing advice. your set. And I walk out and I'm like, <laughs> within 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, I'm bombing. <laughs> I guess I gotta keep doing my set. And I'm just eating a plate of. It was so bad. <laughs> I don't even think Kimmel came over to. I think he was just like, hey, thanks, come, Steve. Oh, can we get him on? Oh, it was bad. It was bad. And then they thought I dropped an F bomb. They thought I, th- I said the F word. I know I did not say I said, forget it because I had one minute left and I was getting ready to do the next joke, but I had already burned <laughs> through enough time. I'm going to go. I got to forget it. And they, they brought me in the trailer. Security escorted me in and they're like, did security? You yeah. And they kept bringing, oh, they kept they're like, yeah. it. forget it, forget it, forget 15 it. 15 years ago. That was uh, yeah. You would be an FCC violation. Yeah. So I was never invited back. <laughs> Ever. That's a, well, that's a good story yeah. here. Uh, uh, one of Talk about uh, panicking because your material is uh, has been ripped away from you for one reason or another. Yeah. Do you know uh, uh, Jordan Rubin? Of course. I love Jordan Rubin. Oh, I love well, Jordan's swell. He's Ultimate the, hipster. The, by the way, he is the only reason that I wrote the feature. I was just going to say, that's what he, yeah, right. Because I, he used to live a block away from me. I used to live downtown LA and he told me, he was raving about this book, Save the Cat, Save the Cat. You got to get this. I had a buddy that just sold a screenplay. And then he's like, I, I'm writing this. I'm going to sell this. I'm going to get this made. I was like, oh, okay. And I bought it. And like a few months later, I, I called him. I'm like, I think this is right. He, that book got me to write Sullivan and Son. And I went back to it again when I was writing uh, the opening act, the feature film. So I owe it all to Jordan Rubin. I, I, I actually texted him about that. He's, oh, he's a one great of, guy, talented. Uh, he's one of the funniest. Yeah, he's a great fella. Well, uh, super hip. You know, like he, he, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he, he's got, uh, you know, that pale gray flesh and he's, uh, yeah. weighs about 93 pounds. And but 
that just sits on girls. his cell phone, and, and women love him. I women love him? He, he's got more celebrity friends than... It's very weird. Yeah. He introduced me to uh, John Hamm, and I'm at this party one time, th- this Emmy's party. This is how good-looking John Hamm is, okay? So if you think I'm... Go- I mean, this guy is... You look at him, you're Oh, like, I know Hamm. He's a... I, I, he, I walk by. I never knew. I, when I met him for a year, I didn't know he was considered to be a super handsome guy. I didn't know. I, a I'm a stunning he, human being. It's, I didn't just, realize... No, I'm impervious to some guy's charms. Like, I know Tom Brady is handsome, and Cam Newton is handsome. I never knew that John Hamm was handsome until people told me so. Then you see him, and you're like, I'm gonna sue my parents. This guy is a different species. He's a strapping he, fella, too. Very, very... Yeah, good. He looks like uh, Superman. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you, he'd be a good. He would have been a good Batman, right? He'd have been a great Batman. Square draw, all that stuff. We're we're at this uh, Emmy's party, and my buddy's standing next to me, and he knows John Hamm, and but I met John <laughs> through Jordan before. But anyways, John Hamm comes walking up, and there's five of us, right? There's like three girls, me, my buddy, and John Hamm. So John Hamm comes over, and he's talking to my my buddy, and they were having a, a nice conversation, and we're all just sitting, sitting there like, ah, it's John Hamm. He's a handsome guy. So my buddy gets pulled away from something. Now, John Hamm is stuck with three girls and me, and he doesn't know anybody. So you know he's, there's just that moment where he's like, he's going to walk away in about three seconds. And he just looks at us, and he goes, well, I got to take a <laughs> And he walks away. <laughs> and I'm standing there, I'm like, I'm just like, holy, can't get away with that if you're a certain person, right? And these type. three girls go, oh, my God, he's so hot. <laughs> I was like, he just said he has to take a that's how good looking he is i know and now he has a stanley cup he's over the moon about it. i'm happy for the blues though i'm happy for the blues as well certainly better than the bruins getting class of 67 yeah Um, i I was pleased yeah i was happy for a lot of people in st louis who have suffered for a long time this whole decade everybody the the sports gods awfully generous this decade making everything right not to like seeing the capitals getting one you know uh well i kind of i don't mind seeing ovechkin because I think uh, it's great for the rivalry. Like, I, I, so many Pittsburghs are like, ah, I want the Browns to just... No, you want them to kind of win. You want them to be good. Because I want that... They're not our rival, though. Not once anymore. they Once they win, then they become yeah. our actual rival. But it, but they are gum on our shoe to date. The to Ravens date, yes. are our rival. Now, yeah. Right. Sure, yeah. The Capitals, I would have been fine if they'd never won a Stanley Cup. Because <laughs> they're because they because until they did, they were the Bengals. You know, the, to yeah. us, they were the Bengals. They, they think they're our rival. We yeah. laugh at you. You don't ever beat us. How, why, rivalry connotes that there's like a back and forth going on over the decades. There's, yeah. there's only a back. You guys aren't doing anything. <laughs> um, I was going to Kent State when, when the trucks came and took everything. And I just remember all these guys like, what the f***? They just left, and that that Believe Land documentary I think is so good because it really it is good. Really gets to the heartbreak of that city, and I remember seeing it firsthand from everybody on my floor in Clark Hall at Kent State. Just like you know, it was like before things were trending on Twitter. Just people were just like out in the hallway talking, like what the just happened did they seriously just it's, leave you know what by the way i know we have already spent a good deal of time praising the greatness of pittsburgh but that shows the greatness was that, you would think a lot of uh, teams in the same division who've played head-to-head over and over but pittsburgh actually marched for the browns people mm-hmm. went out on the streets and said bring the put the browns back or give them their team a lot of yeah. a lot of fan bases wouldn't do that i'll tell you this um jordan rubin is one of those guys he would listen to me and uh sal 
uh, the the cousin Sal, cousin Sal yeah. uh, big star in uh, in TV now himself, and Kevin Hench, um, our mutual pal. We'd sit around and uh, talk about sports and Corolla at the Man Show, and Jordan would feel left out, and he, and he came to me one day and he said, like, give me give me just a couple things that I can throw in so I can feel like a part of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so I told him like, just bring up like, well, I'm going to bring up guys who are great hitters and but great home run hitters. Yeah. And I say, you bring up Dave Kingman, just bring like, Hey, you know what? You know, people forget about is Dave Kingman, man. He could, he, he had some of the longest home runs ever. Yeah. And Jordan said like, yeah, guys, uh, don't forget about David Kingman. And I'm like, oh man, when you call him David, that throws like that shows you don't know who he is. Like he couldn't he couldn't handle the subtle details. Yeah. What happened to him though was on Kilborn, Adam Carolla just so happened to be the first guest that night. Right. Jordan was doing his first national stand-up oh, okay. on the Kilborn show later on. And uh, Corolla sits down with Kilborn, and he's like, ah, funny coincidence. You got uh, Jordan Rubin. He uh, works on the man show with me now. He's like, yeah, he's really excited back there. Like, uh, you know, uh, it, here's the the five minutes he's going to do. And he <laughs> and he told Jordan's entire five No, minutes. what? <laughs> Corolla. T- <laughs> you serious? And, uh, did 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 Jordan's act for Kilborn? No. and it's like ah, that's super funny. I would run out and murder him. I would oh I'd be like, no, I, listen, I know it's a funny thing, but you know what? Now now I must murder you. What would you do? Oh, what, what do you his do? His first TV. Set. And Jordan is still oh. like, if you bring it up to him, is vaguely amused by it. I'm like, that is not funny at all. I mean, it's oh, funny. God. It's funny in theory, but if it happened to you, it wouldn't be funny at all. That's brutal. Your first bad. national. I mean, what do you do? It's not, yeah. Uh, did Corolla like take him out afterwards for a steak dinner or something, or make it up, or ah, made him tough, ribbing your, ah. <laughs> yeah, toughened gotta... him up a little. <laughs> he didn't talk. As a matter of fact, Corolla. The first time I met him, uh, we were watching football, and he there were there were a total of five human beings in the room, yeah. for seven hours watching football. He did not make eye contact or yeah. speak to me or Hench the entire seven hours there are five people in a couch and two chairs watching football a year or two later i i recalled that and said why what really what was the thought behind that was so rude why did you do that to us are you that bad it's like nah it was a test you know it was your it was your uh it was your probationary period you should be flattered because you came through clean you know (laughs) most people don't make it see i like you so now i'm talking to you (laughs) he's an old school kind of guy that's what i think about him but but i love his his documentaries are awesome Uh, yeah yeah he he is i mean you know he is as lightning fast with and with those it, the thing i always say about corolla is there are a lot of funny people that i've crossed paths with but yeah. i have never met anybody who without having considered it previously there are mm-hmm. people who can come up with a funny joke i'm holding a red pen hey uh what do you think about red pens there are a lot of funny people who can come up with a quip about that he can do 20 minutes off, uh, on it just off the going. top of his head he it is crazy yeah how, i think one of the greatest that. things that came out of that whole camp especially kimmel's camp was windy city heat Oh, yeah. Literally my favorite, literally one of my favorite films of all time. I know you, you got your Citizen Kane, you got your gun. I mean, for just pure put it in and just laugh your ass off, I've seen that more times than than probably the, the film I'm working on now, and I've seen that probably a thousand times. Uh, I it, bought it for friends. Funny I've people sent it hold friends. that up. Yeah, funny people oh. all get how hysterically funny that picture is. It yeah. is so, you couldn't. 
you couldn't plan it any better. Have you ever seen that spaghetti? Windy City Heat? I I encourage you, nay demand, you go dig it up. You'll cackle with it. Um, Also, make sure you do that, but don't do that before you go and see. That's right. Always amazing, the documentary about the amazing Jonathan. I'll be honest with you. I'm not one of these uh, these late-night guys who's like, oh, I haven't seen it yet because they didn't like it sure, that yeah. much. I legitimately have not seen it yet, yeah. and that's because of four children, not anything else. Yes. So I hope you take no offense to that. I, the, I though, will watch it at my earliest convenience. I can't wait to do that, and I'm sure. looking forward to, uh, to the opening act coming out soon but uh whether i watch it or not always amazing is uh is burning it up on the internets and uh, muzzle tough to you thank you and thank you for making the time and i hope we'll cross paths sooner rather than later and we're gonna yes. get billy gardell in here maybe we could get like a whole pittsburgh thing going again i would love that if billy gardell and i by the way in the opening Ooh, maybe acts- we could get bill burr in here and you could try out some of them uh oh. them Ty domi uh fight techniques on them. that would be great i a- anything with any of the Billies. Who wins that fight? You and you or Burr? I don't know. Spaghetti. I mean, what do you been think? In, Size well, up. We Burr. were on. We were on. I did his podcast recently, and we were talking about a lot of my my fights because I've been. In, oh, you've been in a lot of fights. I've been scrapping. You don't strike me as a guy who'd be uh, throwing down a lot. Yeah, I don't mind scrapping. Huh. I, those days are gone now. I mean, ever since I turned like like in my late thirties, I'm like, I got to stop doing this. Huh. But I would, I would definitely. I got in a fight. I got in a fight at a comedy store. I got in a fight. This is the greatest fight I've ever been in. <laughs> How many fights can you get into? Well, Burr, your line of work shouldn't uh, require a lot of throwing down, should it? Because Burr would hear about him like in New uh. York and stuff, so he knew. So I don't think Burr has been in as many as I am, but I don't know. He he definitely has a rageful side to him that I'm sure anybody could appreciate. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I'm going to take you awesome. now, based on that. You're more awesome. athletic, this right? This is the best fight I've ever been in. This is the greatest fight. And I think this is one of the best. Like, there's two things I've done on the road as a stand-up comedian that uh, I don't think anybody will ever do again. I made somebody <laughs> their pants during my show because they were laughing so hard. That happened in Sacramento, <laughs> California. There's Puzzle a plaque time. made. Colin Jost made me a plaque. It's on my Instagram. You can see it. I did it again in Canada. Wow. In Calgary. Somebody <laughs> their pants. And then one time might be a fluke, but not twice. No, no. I repeated. Yeah. yeah back to back. So I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I was with another comic and we met these girls after the show. We go back to the hotel. We're swimming in the pool. Have a great time. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk these girls back to the uh, back to the elevator. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to stay in my room. I was like, OK, so I'm, I'm going to catch up with the girls and the girls are in the elevator. Now, they're in the elevator. Now, there's a guy holding the door open and four of his buddies behind him. And there are uh, five black guys that will be pertinent to the story. So, so the guy is asking the girl for her number. She's like, I'm not giving you my number. And he's like, come on, come on, give me your number. We can hang out. She's like, I'm not giving my number. So I see this, and I'm kind of walking up to him. I'm like, oh, God, this is uncomfortable. So I go under his arm, and I kind of pop up. I'm like, gentlemen. I don't blame you for hitting on me. great girls, but uh, let's 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 call it a night, huh? Let's have a good night here. And, uh, <laughs> this guy is absolutely ignoring me. He's pulling a curl on me. He's ignoring me. He's just looking at her and he's holding the door. Open. He's like, "You're gonna give me my number?" She's like, "I'm not giving you my number." He's like, "Don't you want this bling? Can't you handle this bling?" She's like, "I don't want your bling. I don't want to. You're not getting my. Just let the doors close." And he will not let it close. And then, then she goes, "I'm not giving you my number, you." And then she drops the end bomb. Oh no! And I'm like, "Oh no." So now he comes in the door, right? The door's shut, and he grabs me. I was just going to say, well, now you're culpable. 
So I'm now I'm in the thing. Okay, so the door's shut. She backs off in a corner. The girl, <laughs> the other friend, holds her, thinking they're, they're the guys. I'm grabbing him again. I played hockey. I assume this black guy <laughs> didn't play hockey, right? With five guys. So, so I pull the shirt. I pull the shirt over okay. his head, and I'm just going. I'm just. <laughs> what? I'm dropping him. I'm. I'm bah, 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 bah. I don't agree with what she said, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I, you challenged cool. me physically, and I have no choice but to fight back. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt. So I'm just like I'm going for broke. It's a it's a small space. I'm like if I get down on the ground, I'm done for. So I gotta I gotta just keep peppering him. <laughs> So I'm like, bang, bang, bang. And I'm going, I go, are you done? Are you done? He goes, chill, dog, chill. I go, are you done? Are you done? He goes, chill, dog, chill. I go, are you done? He goes, I'm done. I'm done. So during this fracas, right, the elevator stops. We push the Too elevator much off its track. It, right. Yeah. So we are stuck now. <laughs> he gets up. He pulls his shirt over his head. I remember Sarah Smiles by Hall & Oates was playing oh, in the elevator. Perfect. Speaker. So every time I hear that song, I think of this memory. So, so. These two girls are crying. <laughs> this guy has his shirt, pulls it over his head. He's, he's a little bruised up. I'm sitting there like, all right, this guy's going to hit me again at any second, you know? And he's looking at me, and then I'm kind of looking at him like, this is so messed up. And he's looking at me. He's not saying anything, but he's just staring at me. He goes, were you on BET's Comic View? I go, yeah. He goes, you do the Bruce Lee bit? I go, yeah. He goes, you're a comic? I go, yeah. He goes, man, I seen your set. It was really good stuff. I'm like, thanks, man. Thanks, buddy. So all of a sudden we hear, and the doors go back up. You know, the elevator's working again. The doors open, and these guys heard it all go down. So they just rush in, and they pummel me. I'm, I'm getting pop, 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 rip shirt. And um, he goes, he's he like, no, no, no. He's, he does, he did, I saw him do a great 20 minutes yeah. the other night. He goes, no, no, he, this guy, he's a comedian. He did the Bruce Lee bit. He's at the, he's at the improv this week. We should go check him out. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So that was like my, my greatest fight story. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. That's surreal and, and uh, hard to fathom. I like, I would, the only thing I would, uh, that would make it better is if the elevator had been stuck for like an hour and then you guys just have to like get to know each other. And then we wrote rush. <laughs> the two girls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's excellent. All right. One more time. Always amazing. The documentary about the amazing Jonathan, a crazy life and uh, documented by, uh, by our new pal here, Steve Byrne, and then uh, be on the lookout for the opening act. What else can you, can you plug? Where else can people see you? Uh, fight you in elevators. If they say fight me in an elevator for sure. Um, yeah. Everything I have is Steve Byrne live, Twitter, Steve Byrne live, Instagram, Steve Byrne live and all my tour dates always go up there. So, um, I'm actually going to be doing uh, Jimmy Kimmel's comedy club in September in Vegas. So, oh, I hear it's really that. cool. I hear it looks like his uh, his living room. I'm uh, really excited, like his living room, his actual living room in his home. I don't even get the the spirit really? behind that. You were there, I spaghetti, was, right? I thought it was his basement, but yeah, yeah, it's right. It's, it's pretty cool though. He's at the link. Yeah, it's uh, all, the link it's a, is a cool area. I like yeah, it. Yeah, his basement. Yeah, that's what I was. Okay, calling. yeah. Supposedly the detail is. I uh, listened to him on Stern talking about it. Yeah, and he said that it's uh, uh, an exact replica with, with freakish detail. That's how much he appreciates. <laughs> 
creating the ambience of comedy by saying, you know what, I've made it. I probably got three homes and a vacation home, but you comics are going to perform in my basement. So <laughs> thank it's you, a, Jimmy. It's a dig. That's yeah. what I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. You're right. <laughs> exactly right. But I'm excited to get out there. I've heard good things about it. Oh yeah, have a great time and uh, go check out Steve Byrne, and you'll have a great time as you just listened to here. Oh wait, spaghetti, stop the music. Our new game over the last month yeah. is I have no sense for time. I feel like I was ho- I was hoping that we could get uh, with uh, with you know your consideration maybe 25, 35 minutes. Sure. I'm gonna guess that today we have spoken for at least an hour, right? Fifty six minutes. <laughs> are, are we going to the minute? Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say sixty two. That when people when the guest guesses higher than what I guess, I take that as a dig, like that they were bored. Like, no, like all right, right, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. You, we went well over that. Trust me, it was a lot more than fifty-six minutes. You know, we're almost at an hour fourteen. Oh, oh <laughs> so I, I, I was you. You bid the one dollar on the Price Is Right, but I went a little higher. That's and right. I won. That's exactly right. You won. Time flies when you're talking sixty-six. I listen. Eighty-seven. Could do it. What if we would have landed on sixty-six? Oh. You should have stopped us. That's on the yeah. producer. I, you know what? I blame you. You should have really been. I had your eye out That's for fair. that. I'll take it. All right. Try to be better next time. <laughs> All right. Now play the music, please. All right. So uh, Eddie for, for Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass, and of course for Steve Byrne. SteveBurn.com. Steve Byrne Live. Steve Byrne Live. I'm sorry. It's okay. Is how you track down everything, uh, including the picture look on YouTube. All things comedy. Um, and uh, and we'll look forward to crossing paths with you soon, pal. Absolutely. Thank All you. right. We'll talk to you later. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. Thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.